From an outside perspective, restaurants are the perfect getaway. Great food, inviting atmosphere, comforting environment. It's an all-around fantastic time for friends and family alike. Though it can be beautiful and enriching from the inside perspective, as a guest, one doesn't see the hardships and stressors of creating a wonderful experience. Every restaurateur goes through struggles and challenges that could make or break them. This podcast aims to explore that, pulling back the curtain and understanding what it's truly like to run these establishments as told by those who do it. I'm Justin Warner, and you're listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. Who are you and what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm Robbie Schultz, and I am the head honcho of Bear Creek Smokehouse, and we are a family-owned and operated business in our 79th year. Wow, 79th year. Yes, sir. That is impressive. I took a few, I took a few days off, okay? Out of all 79? <laughs> right, yeah. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm the third generation. Impressive. So where is Bear Creek Smokehouse located? We are out in the country, beautiful rolling hills of East Texas. We're about nine miles outside of Marshall, Texas. Got it. And if somebody has never visited Marshall, Texas, aside from rolling hills and I assume fantastic barbecue. Yes, sir. What could they expect? Well, you know what? It's Marshall is about a town of 25,000. It's, it's real laid back. There's beautiful lakes. There's museums. There's shopping. Life is a little slower paced here. I don't know where you guys are from, but this Marshall is a great place to visit. And we're about eight or nine miles outside Marshall. So we're even more laid back out here. I like that. Yes, sir. So talk to me about how this started. You, you said that, you know, for nearly eight decades, you've been doing this. So where did it all begin? Well, it started with my great granddad. Years ago, turn of the century, he bought a bunch of property out here where the farm is now. He told my granddad they were actually living about 15 miles away over in the next little community of Hallsville, Texas. He told my granddad, he said, I'll give that land to you if you go over there and work it. And so my granddad, when he was like in his late teens, rode a horse over here, the 15 mile track every day and met some other workers. And they began clearing the land with crosscut saws and mules and that sort of thing and began growing cotton and corn. They were farmers. And so getting into the Depression years and World War II and that sort of thing, they got to where they were having a harder time feeding the family uh, just off the farm income. So he had an uncle out in Grapeland, Texas, that told him, he said, you can put more pounds of gain on a turkey per pound of feed fed than you can hogs and cattle. He had hogs and cattle at the time too, okay, besides his farming operation. So in 1943, he raised about 600 turkeys and the business was born right there. They started it in their backyard and they had people coming from all over to get a turkey for Thanksgiving and everything. So it's just, there's been a lot of changes over the 79 years, a lot of new products added and that sort of thing. And, you know, we've got a modern meat processing facility here and general store and we do a little bit of everything out here that is super impressive so where do you fit into this history well okay so it was my granddad that started the business my dad followed in his footsteps it's just kind of natural for me to fall into it i started working when i was a kid and you know learn the business inside out 
so I lost my dad in 2017, and I, you know, I filled his shoe, his shoes as president. But you know, the great thing about it is, it, it's still a family business. My son is a plant manager, and my daughter pretty much runs the general store, does all the buying for it and everything. And then we have grandkids that are up here every day. On any given day in this in this business, we have four generations here. Wow, that's so impressive. My mom's still living and she loves coming up here. So it sounds like the restaurant portion of this, if you're processing your own meat and you have a livestock farm backing that up, it sounds like you've got the the food chain or supply chain, if you will, taken care of. Well, you you would think so. We actually, we don't have a kill plant anymore, which we did back in the day, okay? A lot of our meat is trucked in. We buy, you know, by the truckload. We buy a load of pork bellies every week because we sell nationwide that product that we make out of pork bellies. But turkeys were a little difficult to get this year, as, as you guys have probably heard. There was a turkey shortage. We had avian flu out there earlier in the year. And, you know, we didn't really know if we were going to have turkeys to sell this year. We don't raise them ourselves anymore. We stopped that in the 70s. Got it. So what makes Bear Creek Smokehouse stand out? Why is it a destination? Why should I leave Marshall to come visit you all? Well, <laughs> it's a pretty special place. You know, it's uh, family owned and operated and, and we try to, to make all of our customers feel like family. My wife and I raised Texas Longhorns and, you know, we're here in the rolling hills out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And we become uh, just in pretty much a tourist destination now. We've got people coming from all over. We see somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000 plus a year come in our store. Holy um, we, moly, man, that's yeah. a that's a head count. Yes, sir. I feel like you need to have cowboys just to herd those customers. <laughs> we do need it sometimes, I'll tell you. We are busy, busy today, sir. But yeah, no, it's it's a great place. You know, we've got a great atmosphere. We try to instill our culture in all of our employees and, you know, empower them to do the things they need to make every customer's experience top notch, you know. Uh, I do know. So you said that you got your start as a kid. What did that look like? Well, you know, at the time we were raising turkeys. We also had a dairy farm. So as a kid, I guess the most fun thing for me was when those baby turkeys would be delivered after they were hatched and one day old. Because you, I don't know if you've ever seen the long chicken houses where they raise chickens, you know, in, in big quantities. We had the same thing, but we raised turkeys in them. I have a lot of fond memories of a kid, you know, getting thousands, because we were raising about 15000 a year, getting wow. all those turkeys in, you know, when they were a day old and all the chirping and everything. And then to see them all the way from, you know, a small chick all the way up to a full grown turkey and going on somebody's Thanksgiving table, you know? Yeah, I do know. So talk to me about the physical setup of this. You said you have a general store, but there's also a restaurant as well. How is that laid out? Okay. So the plant, when you come up the Bear Creek driveway, the plant is at the top of the hill. The, our processing plant is about 46,000 square feet. So the store is across the parking lot. The store and event center is about 16,600 square feet. In the back of this this whole operation, we've got a pit room where we've got a 20-foot-long barbecue pit, and uh, we fire that baby up every Friday night and do briskets and ribs and sausage and turkey and all kinds of great stuff for our Saturday meals. Monday through Friday, we serve sandwiches every day, but 
Saturday's kind of a special day. You come out, we give you a tray, you go pick out your sides. Then you take your tray down to the pit room, which is a couple of steps down where we've got that big pit rolling and you pick out your meat on the pit and we take it off and slice it and put it right on your tray. So it doesn't get any fresher than that. Wow. For those who are uninitiated and they are out there, what is barbecue? Oh boy. Barbecue is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. That was the sound of me opening a a huge can of worms, by the way. Yeah, it, it is a big can of worms. So Barbecue to me is, you know, is the Texas style, the way we like to do it. I know there's Carolina, there's Kansas City. We like to use dry rubs, you know, rub the meat down. We actually use a combination of hickory, post oak, and pecan. Got it. We slow smoke it. You got to take your time, Justin. This is not something you rush up or get in a hurry on. You know, a lot of the cuts of, that you do in barbecue-wise are actually tough cuts that are not like steaks or whatever. We're talking about brisket, you know, that's full of connective tissue and sinew and a lot of fat and that sort of thing. But if you cook it low and slow long enough, it's going to turn out to be the most tender piece of meat you ever put in your mouth. However, if you try to rush it up, you can make a pair of boots out of the same thing. Uh, I know it too well. <laughs> so. You know, it sounds like you are slammed. We are slammed. What is it like, yeah, to be so busy and have a product that is inherently slow? How do you keep up with the demand? The barbecue is the slowest product that we manufacture. Our plant, however, where we do all the smoked turkeys, the hams, the tenderloins, the chickens, the bacon, sausages, and all that, you know, it's it's a lot more commercialized. It's a USDA processing plant, and we can churn a lot of product out over there. And that goes all over the country. We're in, you know, we have a mail order business, an online store, and what have you. So we can crank that that product out pretty fast. The the barbecue, however, is a long drawn out process. And that's why right now we we mainly just do that on Saturdays. We are so slammed right now with our business. I wish you could see this general store. It's just amazing. And it's full of people swarming everywhere right now, grabbing Thanksgiving turkeys and hams and all the trimmings and things that go with it. You know, those things are produced on a lot bigger and faster scale than than the barbecue end of it. Got it. So restaurants been around for 80 years. In addition to that, it is family owned and operated. I've seen family owned and operated restaurants not last eight months, let alone eight decades. One, what are some of the obstacles you've overcome? And two, what's the formula? What's the secret to getting along well with your loved ones in an environment that might not be conducive to that? Well, I'll tell you, we work at it hard. We all do. And, you know, a strong work ethic was instilled in me by my granddad and my dad. I feel like I've done a pretty good job of passing that along to my kids as well. And our family motto or our company motto is food, family, and faith. And so we're just a tight-knit family. We work well together. And the thing about it is, you know, we all put our boots on the same way every morning. At any any given time, you can see me in the back part where the restaurant is pushing a wet mop or doing whatever it takes. You know, we just, we try not to get too big for our britches, any of us. I understand. And what are some of the things that you've had to overcome? Obviously we had a pandemic, 
anything that people might not know about. We all know about the pandemic. We all know restaurants and food service was affected. Yeah. But, you know, you live in your own little corner of the world. How, you know, what's that been like? Well, you know what? I think, Justin, diversification for us has been something that helped us survive the pandemic. When the restaurant might have been slow, our business, our national accounts, we sell like Walmart and Publix and Brookshire's and Kroger and a lot of the major grocery stores. When it was slow in the restaurant, I don't know if you remember back during the pandemic, but the food supply chain, the pipeline just pretty much emptied out. And so we were having record months during that time, shipping food to all the big retailers across the country. So I I think diversification is one thing that helped us stay in the black, even through the pandemic. You know, we also have a a venue here where people, people get married here. We have big corporate parties. We have some international companies that love to bring their international like associates from around the world here just to have a Texas experience. So pretty special place. And we've got a a wide variety of products that we sell in the store, not only just our products, but we thought, you know, if people are going to get married here, why don't we have wedding gifts and that sort of thing. So we've got inventory here. You know, we're in a nine miles outside of a small, small town, but you would have to drive to Dallas or Houston or a big spot like that to find some of the merchandise that we have in our store. Got it. It is obvious to me that you are not this, but how do you avoid comparisons to say Cracker Barrel, you know, which has merch and has food and, you know, it's kind of a thematic experience. Does that make sense? Yes, I can understand completely. I think the difference is uh, we've got family in the store every day. My 82-year-old mom is here. We're all meeting and greeting people, trying to make their experience top-notch. I've got a a huge longhorn steer in the front. We put a saddle on. We let people get their pictures made on him. We have a, I just feel like a lot more to offer than a place like what you mentioned. Got it. They've been very successful and kudos to them. But, you know, we have carved out a niche for ourselves over here in East Texas, and we've got people from just all across the country coming to visit us now because of the way we treat people. We try to make sure that every customer's experience is just way more than they ever thought it could be when they walked in the front door. I love that. You know, I I think there's a homogenous lowest common denominator way to do just about anything. And I think there is a creative least common denominator way to do just about anything. Yes. And it sounds like you were very much the latter. I want my picture made on a longhorn. I didn't know that it was a goal of mine, but now it is. (laughs) Well, come on down here, brother. We'll we'll make that happen. I like that. So in addition to having throngs of people visiting you, you have visited various TV sets in recent years. Yeah. One in particular was Beat Bobby Flay, a show that I have been on as well. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I did not cook, Justin. I was actually a guest judge. I did five appearances there, the most recent earlier this year. But yeah, were, did you cook? I have cooked and I have guest judged. And I believe I have. Oh, no. I was one of the, the like hosts, the two people that are out to get Bobby. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. That is so awesome. I thought I recognized you. Uh, Yeah, I don't have a hair and makeup team here in South Dakota (laughs) to pretty me up. I hear you. 
I hear you. Yeah. And so, you know, we've done that a few times. We've had the opportunity, me and my son, to cook with Rachel Ray up in New York on a couple of her shows. And so, you know, we've been blessed. We And it's a great source of national recognition for us, you know, they give you a small mention, which it really, it really does help out a lot. Done a little cooking with Al Roker before. I love Al. I've worked with him yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just some fun stuff. And then we do some local TV in Dallas and Houston. We've done some stuff pretty regular with those stations as well. So when you were moving thousands of baby chick turkeys yeah. as a kid, did you ever think that you would end up on a TV set or national news? No, I was pretty shy then, Justin. I don't know. I probably would have run from a camera back then, you know, but I don't know. I guess I've just grown and matured over the years. And Justin, I think we have such a wonderful story to tell about our business. And it hasn't always been good. I've seen, you know, sweat roll down my dad and granddad's back for years and years and, you know, with not a lot to show at the end of the year for it. And I think I've just come to appreciate the fact that they laid this solid foundation for us to carry on their legacy. And I really protect that with everything I've got and try to uphold that legacy. I don't look at it as bragging. I I look at it as a way a family came together and worked really, really hard for a lot of years. And the family was able to stay together and work hard and to make a successful business out of it together. Well, I think it's a miraculous story myself because oftentimes we hear of business getting in the way of family, but it seems that the foundation that was laid has really kept you together and close knit. And I've found that working with my wife, we are at our best when we have a goal and something to do. Us at our worst is figuring out like what we want for dinner or what we want to watch on Netflix, something that's completely open-ended, you know? Right, right. Do you find that you tend to be, as a clan, task-oriented, goal-based? I think we are. I think my kids think I go in too many different directions sometimes. I'm a little ADD, maybe. But I do think I, I, I do a lot of creative thinking, and I try to see where we might want to be this time next year or the year after, or how we're going to make Bear Creek even a more of a destination location, you know. They're with me. They're just they're just uh, younger, you know, and they have not had as many years of experience as I have, but they do a jam up job and they work hard and it's it's nice to be successful together for sure. I love to hear that. So I'm curious, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, there are tourists everywhere coming from everywhere to your location there. Yeah. What do the people of, of Marshall and the immediate community think of what you're up to? Well, you know, they really love it because we have people visiting here. We have concerts here, Justin. I didn't even mention that. We've had like the Bellamy Brothers and Asleep at the Wheel and Daryl Worley and, you know, just different country groups come in. And we, we've had some other groups too. But, you know, when we have those kind of events, you know, it's I'm of the mindset if we can do something to help out Marshall and to bring more people to town, put more heads in, in the hotel beds, which means more revenue, you know, for the city and the restaurants and the businesses that are in town. You know, we want everybody to make a good living and we do what we can to promote Marshall and the surrounding area because we think 
that everybody's got their own niche. And I think there's room for everybody to do well if we work together, you know. That's a, a great mentality. I had a mentor once say the rising tide lifts all boats. There you go. I don't know if that's a, a Texas <laughs> saying so much <laughs> like as it, it is an East Coast thing, but. I like it. Yeah. So it, you, you had mentioned that you spend a lot of time thinking about where you'd like to be in the future. Where is that? Well, I want to, like I say, I want to try to continue to make this a tourist destination. We already are, but I just, I want to build that up even more. I want to be able to have experiences for people when they come out here outside the store. You know, we've got our ranch is about 1,500 acres. I, I bought a Amish hayride trailer that we can pull behind one of the tractors. So we've kind of dabbled in that a little bit. People love getting out and seeing our cows and taking a hayride and being able to feed them. I actually call it the hayless hayride because it's it's got benches in it. So you don't have allergies. You know, you get set on benches. It's covered. We've got an old dairy barn over there I would love. We've been working on it, kind of restore that thing and be able to take people over there and maybe have animals over there that they can get a sack lunch from here and ride about a, a mile on the backside of our place and hang out over there and enjoy their lunch and kind of a, a just a really beautiful country setting. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Also, I, I have in mind, I want to build an outdoor stage. For our concerts, we normally rent a stage from Dallas. And I'd love to get something more permanent and have it out here for, you know, for outdoor music festivals and that sort of thing. For sure. If you weren't, and I don't ask this question a lot, but uh, I don't know why I'm compelled to ask it. Uh, if you weren't doing this, which it sounds like you were very much born into, what would you be doing? You know, I'm not sure. I've often thought about that. And I, I'll tell you something, Justin. My granddad, my dad, and myself, neither the three of us or my son has a college education. We've learned everything that we've learned from each other and working hard and having good work ethic and that sort of thing. So I can't imagine myself really doing anything else but this. I just, um, it's, I'm very passionate about it. My dad and granddad were very passionate about it. And, you know, they wanted nothing more to be successful in life. I want to be successful too. And we are successful. And, you know, just, I want to be able to hand that legacy off to my kids and for them to carry it on and the grandkids and everything. If that's what's meant to be, I, I really, I don't know what I would be doing because like I say, you know, I, I never got a college education. I went for a while, but it probably would have been some kind of labor. That's what I mainly know how to do. You know how the restaurant business is. Don't I? And uh, I too did not go to college. And I, again, I, I can't ma imagine a, a different place for myself. I, I can still, I mean, I can imagine, you know, diving into deeper facets of aspects of the restaurant. But, you know, I just, I got to be food adjacent and I have never shied away from, from hard work myself. Yeah. It, you know, it, and I think there's something to be said for an operation where you can simply learn by doing. And I think a restaurant is just one of those things where the more you're in one, the more skills you acquire. And, uh, you know, the restaurant's like a, a mini farm in itself in that you've got product that you have to transform. Yeah. You're still like looking at the elements, you know, we got our first snow here in South Dakota the other day and we we're absolutely annihilated, slammed busy because I sell hot soup. Right. That's awesome. 110 degree day. Maybe not so much. 
Right. You know, so I, I enjoy that. And I think that um, for as harrowing as the business can be, with the right attitude, it can be something that is uniquely wholesome. And it's an opportunity to learn something every day. Yes, sir. I know it is for you just as it is for me, but it's so rewarding to have people come in and you have the opportunity to make them feel special, which they are, serve them great food and to see them sit back and enjoy it, enjoy the atmosphere and the company. Just those little comments like, Robbie, that was the, I've eaten barbecue all over the hill country. And I'm going to tell you, y'all, y'all have the best barbecue I've ever put in my mouth right here in East Texas. It's just things like that that seem to recharge your batteries and keep you going, you know, a little pat on the back and that sort of thing. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty rewarding for us. We, lo- we love to hear feedback. Don't I know it. Are you familiar with the love languages? I don't know if I am or not. So the love languages, uh, and I don't know who came up with it, but it's been quite helpful in my career in management and identifying what people see as praise or how they give, not praise, affection, affinity, positivity, whatever you want to call it. You know, you can give or receive good vibes in certain ways. Right. Words, of a- words of affirmation, as you right. said, hey, great job. Physical right. touch, a literal pat on the back or a hug or something like that. Right. Acts of service. Hey, uh, you know, you did such a good job. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know, shovel your sidewalk when it snows. Not that you have that problem in Texas. Right. And then gifts, you know, for example, uh, you know, you've done such a good job with uh, barbecue here. Uh, here's a, a fine whiskey from my collection. Right. And I know that hands down, hands down, when I am receiving affection, it is words of affirmation, hands down. Are you a words of affirmation person? I am. I love it. Yes, sir. I am. Me and my wife both. And our, you know, the thing is, Justin, we absolutely love people. We love building relationships with people. We love accommodating, giving good service, making them feel welcome at home is so important to us. And I think that's just all part of what adds to our place and makes us different from maybe one of the ones you mentioned earlier. Yeah, for sure. If uh, And it sounds like you have had uh, young entrepreneurs and young restaurateurs in your life. What's one piece of advice that you would give to someone who wants to enter the world of food, hospitality, entertainment, etc.? Well, I'll give you a piece of advice my dad told me a long time ago. If you're going to make food, he said it doesn't cost much more to make it taste good. He said, make sure that everything you put out is of the highest and best quality that you can absolutely do. And remember that everything you make is going to be reduced to one bite size. Thank you for listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. I'm Justin Warner. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bear Creek Smokehouse is located at 10857 State Highway 154 in Marshall, Texas. For more information, visit their website at bearcreeksmokehouse.com.